Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Welcome to part two of our two-part podcast series, The Mod Pod, Telehealth and Optometry, Hip or Hype. We're glad you've joined us to hear Drs. Dierker, Johnston, Rue, and Whitley conclude their conversation. This program was supported with advertising by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The opinions and views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and are not necessarily those of Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation or its affiliates. Now, let's get back to the panel. So looking at some things now, I know that we all are still utilizing this uh, quite a bit now, but not nearly as much as we were when we had really no choice. You know, when we couldn't go in our office, really were limited to urgent and emergent care only. And there's probably a good chunk of people on um, this call that are doing this now and, and dabbling a little bit. But if I'm an optometrist and I say, you know what, I never really got into this. I'm not sure where this makes sense for my practice. And I'll start with Brianna here in a primary care setting. I mean, you're doing a lot of specialty care is where's the low hanging fruit for optometry to jump in now if they haven't been providing care via telehealth over the last six months? Why would I want to do this? I think low hanging fruit from a primary care standpoint is something like a contact lens follow up, right? So if you put a lens on an eye and you follow up, literally, there's thousands of dollars walking out of our door because those patients sometimes never come back for their follow-up visits. So that's where you can put them, hey, we're going to put you on the schedule for a quick telemedicine visit and then close that sale on the call with the patient. So that's when you can transfer them over to the staff or use something like Dr. Contact Lens. So that's, I think, right now the low-hanging fruit in the perspective of on like my website I have that we do telemedicine. So there's still a couple of patients that are scared to come in. So I think showing patients what we wanna see in telemedicine. Hey, if you have a lump and bump, we can do a telemedicine visit. If you're having itchy eyes, we can probably do it that way. Um, early in March, I saw some crazy conjunctivitis where I actually brought them in to do the betadine treatment. So again, it's that whole triage. So we have to lead these patients where we want them to go and what we want to see telemedicine-wise. So I think it's not going to really replace that human-to-human -human connection, and we have to be careful with that because this is going to uncover, now that we've lifted all these guidelines that we've all put into place and all these rules and regulations, it's going to be hard to get the lid back on this. So we have to be in this conversation, and we have to be the ones that are billing for it and billing for our time appropriately and not let these other companies come in and cut that human doctor patient relationship out. We have to be the ones leading this. Well, what are your thoughts about what should be compelling to our colleagues that have not yet dove into telemedicine or maybe have dipped their toe in the water right now, today in 2020, what are some scenarios where telemedicine really makes sense for a primary care optometrist? You know, I just had this conversation the other day uh, with, with one of our referring doctors, and essentially what it came down to is multiple doctors within the practice, so many exam lanes, you can only see so many, so many patients uh, per hour throughout the day. We have to take social distancing into, into account. 
And so how can we maximize efficiency with all the providers within the practice? And so essentially what I, what I recommended is, hey, this is where telemedicine comes in. And so have a separate template, have a patient come in and do all their OCTs, get all their visual fields done, do corneal hysteresis, whatever, whatever you need to do. And then schedule them on a separate day where, hey, one, one of the docs is gonna be seeing patients in the office, the other doc is gonna have the separate template where they can do all the follow-ups and you know, for a glaucoma follow-up, they came in, they already had the patient had their pressure check, they had the OCT, and so we can go through, or the doctor can go, go through and have that conversation. Is the glaucoma control? Do we need to add any adjunctive therapy? And so that's one of the ways that you can do it is to, to maximize efficiency in the practice while uh, respecting social distancing. And so that's one of the low-hanging fruits, and I've had several of those conversations lately. One thing that I think um, optometry has a huge opportunity is in dry eye. And let's say that someone comes in with a complaint of, I need new glasses or contacts, and they're coming in with a, a vision plan and we're doing a basic exam. And we identify in our history and our slit lamp that this patient really has a dry eye issue that needs to be addressed. And normally we would pre-appoint them to come back to the office for a more comprehensive exam within a couple of weeks. Well, maybe the patient doesn't want to do that, or maybe our schedules are full, or maybe we just want to limit the number of patients in our office. Uh, Dr. Johnson, do you think it's reasonable to have a uh, first medical visit, you know, after that vision plan visit, the first medical visit to address their dry eye? Can we do that virtually? Does that make sense? It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think um, kind of segueing with both of these questions, you know, with dry eye, I think will be the greatest opportunity for long-term adaption, utilization of telemedicine. And to kind of segue that with your previous question, Brianna touched on something earlier about um, you know, optometry doing this. So I think ophthalmology is going to continue to do what they want to doing, and that's cutting and doing surgery, right? I don't think we'll see long-term utilization of this technology with ophthalmology. It's really up to optometry to take this, drive it. Um, you know, a few cool stories just from today in practice. So I had a patient who's a glaucoma patient, long-known history, not new, obviously. Um, she's blind. She's light perception in one eye and counting fingers in the other. Well, she called today, um, you know, our glaucoma surgeon was in surgery. And so I did telemedicine with her and non, you know, we didn't use video. There's no need to in that case, no pathology to see per se, but it was just a phone call. So a virtual check-in, which we coded and billed for, but she had pain in her blind eye. Um, she's been on Predforte four times a day to control that pain. And so, you know, potentially she's already on therapy to lower pressure in the other eye that still has light perception. So she's elderly, she's blind, she cannot come in. So that's something we utilize telemedicine, maybe not you know, a small segment there with glaucoma that you may not want to do at most patients, okay? Uh, the other telemedicine I did today, so day-to-day, -day it's about 10% what I do now in my clinic, uh, was a young 43-year-old male with a previous ordeolum. Um, I put him on a Z-pack and, and uh, an ointment, steroid ointment, antibiotic combination, and it had flared up. He's got a known history of Demodex and blepharitis. And so I know what his history is. I've seen him. So I was doing a dry exam, sort of ocular surface disease today. He's 43-year-old. He's already back to traveling. He was, you know, I think we'll see a large uptick in utilization of this amongst young people just for the convenience factor. But he's so impressed by our technology that we have, he actually referred his patient or his mother in for a cataract evaluation for our practice. So I think we're going to be judged by the technology we use. We always have been, um, you know, what we, what we use in, in the clinic. So if you're using telemedicine, advertise it like Brianna said, use through social media, through your website, make sure your patients know it's aware. Drive fits perfectly in this wheelhouse. I think that's the majority of what we'll do long-term with this because it's a disease state we can safely treat. I agree with you. Bring them in for that baseline exam. 
And then we can modify this, right? If there's flare-ups, like you mentioned, the previous patient you had today, uh, adjust therapy. Um, there's many ways to do this. I think there's a lot of opportunity in that space. Hey, Josh, can I ask you a question in regards to that? So that patient had the blind eye, that glaucoma specialist was busy. So we have the issue. So we already have a dedicated telehealth schedule. But how do you incorporate that? I'm busy with seeing patients throughout the day. And then how do you, you know, they've tried to put a telemedicine call right in the middle of my schedule. And I'm busy with patients at three o'clock. So how do you make that work? I'd be curious. Yeah. You know, great question. Um, and to be candid, it's, it's been a challenge. So before, you know, four months ago, if you asked me, I thought we would have a dedicated template for our resident or one of our younger optometrists that doesn't have a busy schedule yet. But what we're finding is about every optometrist we have in the clinic gets about two in the morning and two in the afternoon. So we don't have a dedicated clinician doing this all day. The, the demand is not there anymore. And so it is sort of a frustrating pain point for the patients because Early on, you know, we started doing this. These patients had a, a scheduled appointment time. We would call them within a 10-minute window. Typically, I'm not getting these until, you know, maybe 12.15, 12.30. Those patients know there's a kind of a two- to three-hour window as long as it's not urgent. And then I do them at the end of the day, you know, 4 or 4.30. We'll wrap up the clinic with that as well. So we're still learning. Um, but, yeah, to be candid, we don't have an easy algorithm on how to do that yet. Yeah, we're moving around, too. So thanks. You're still late to your telemedicine visits, Walt? <laughs> Say that, and I'm still awake. So yeah, sometimes. <laughs> you bet, you bet. So I'm pretty versatile in my clinic is um, I try to schedule them. Uh, you know, if someone's coming in for a follow-up, I mean, I schedule those and what's convenient for me and for my clinic. I think a lot of what you've just said has been, you know, how do you handle the emergent patient? Is I think you can schedule them and say, yeah, we'd be happy to do a virtual visit. Uh, Dr. Johnson's available at 4.30. Will that be fine or do you want to do it tomorrow morning? So I think that you can do it any other any way you want. We actually, I do some on the fly. Um, we actually on our website uh, have a way for a, a chat to occur where the patient can uh, inquire about, you know, having a, a visit right now. And I usually do only a couple of weeks, but they usually are pretty productive. There are patients that found us on the web that want to do cataract surgery, that want to do cross-linking, that want IPL you know, high value things that can have a huge impact in their life that we specialize in. They're finding us, I'll have a quick conversation for two or three minutes and get them triaged appropriately and they're very happy. So they get care very quickly. I don't think everybody needs to do that. I enjoy doing that. It's kind of fun to have that break in the day, but I think you can control it, it's versatile. So we can make this tool however we want it. And I think in a primary care setting, you definitely want to control it and you want to have your contact lens follow-ups, your myopia management consults and schedule that like you would any other visit and just do it where it makes sense in your clinic day. So if it makes sense to do two full exams in office and then as your staff is helping clean things up and you're turning over the rooms, maybe you have a five or 10 minute telehealth visit every, you know, at the end of every hour, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. So I think that in my setting, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in all sorts of disease states. But Brianna, I think it's really interesting is I do agree that dry eye is going to be from a medical standpoint where we're going to provide a lot of care. But I think there's so much opportunity in contact lens and myopia management, even especially contact lens. And Brianna, I just want your take on that and what you're doing and what you see as the future for doing things that are really in the wheelhouse for most every optometrist. Yeah, I mean, myopia management is something I'm super passionate about. Um, I look at our clinic numbers, so 70% of my population is myopic. So it's not something that's hard to bring into your clinic. 
your clinic is already a myopia clinic. So it's just learning how to treat it, um, which is through three protocols. So it's not really, you know, you can take an hour course and be up and running, um, just getting your contracts in place and obviously getting your staff on board. I think that's where we have to also involve our staff in these decisions on what platforms we're going to use and how we are going to schedule it because you need their support. So, you know, some people that have been super successful with telemedicine, I think you have to schedule it where it's two hours on a Wednesday is all your telemedicine visits and then maybe those ER patients once in a while. I think it's hard to jump room to room to room. So I can have four rooms going at one point. I know we were joking on the prior call to hit this, like where you have you know, your technician already has the computer up and you just jump into that room to do the telemedicine visit um, with their having issues with technology or they're running 10 minutes late um, and that cuts into your time. But the myopia side is really fun to it because you can do these consultations and it's a lot of it's the education piece. So you can bring them in like you did, do an OCT, do a visual field, um, and then get on the call and go through the data and then decide together what's going to be the best plan of attack. So that's where I see this going in the telemedicine route is using those consultations where you do have mom and dad, because I'll have mom here that's all gung-ho about it. And then we talk about price. She goes home and husband calls me and says, ah, you said what to my wife? Like, so now my dad, we joke, he was in the furniture business for a really long time. Um, and I would hear the door go off and he's like, oh, I don't have to go. It's just a one-legger, meaning it's a one person came in the door and he's not really going to close the sale. And then like two people would walk in. And he's like, I got to go. I got to go. I got a two-legger. So that's when you have that wife and that, that husband combo together where you can do these sales and make it easier so they're not undoing each other. So I think using it in that arena where everybody's on board with these kids' treatment, because it has to be a family affair, um, especially if you're doing Ortho-K or atropine drops at night, um, everybody in the family has to get involved in this care and understand the importance of it. So it's nice to have both parents together so you cannot have a discombobulated um, treatment protocol or that price comparison of what happened in the office. So. What are your thoughts about just doing a routine contact lens follow-up virtually? Is that something that's productive to for either patient convenience or maybe just to keep people out of your office that are having visits that maybe are not generating a lot of revenue? Is, does that make sense? Is that a safe thing to do for a patient? Yeah, I think it is. So if you have a contact lens patient that came in, and now we're seeing all these upgrades to daily wear, so, hey, you're in an Acadie Oasis, we're going to update you to a daily. Um, that's been a really easy upsell right now because everybody is all on this hygiene kick. So I don't really, I saw the lens on the eye. I'm going to put you on the schedule and see you. And I think what we have to do is really track our patients. So under uncovering with Dr. Contact Lens, the marketing side of this is really, really important. We are all sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in our practice. We've just never been able to see it or go capture it. We're all worried about our new patient rate. What about your established patient rate? So really combing through our databases of those dry eye patients, those myopia management patients, patients that walked out with the trial that never came back. Um, so many of our colleagues will get, you know, do the Pepsi challenge. Not a fan of the Pepsi challenge. You just took that patient off of the market for another three, four, six weeks. And if you add that up over the cost of the lifetime of that patient or your practice, it can add up to twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars at the end. 
So you have to be responsible with these trials on what patients are doing. But contact lens follow-ups are really easy, low-hanging fruit that you can schedule in. Did they show up and did they not? And then have your staff get behind you on that so you can go capture the revenue. So I think a lot of opportunity here, and a lot of it is based on things that we know. It's education, it's compliance, it's giving people the right information so they can make an informed decision. And it's about uncovering those things in your practice that already are there. Those patients there are there, they need care. You can provide different things to have value for the patient and for the practice. Let's pivot now as we finish up our conversation to the future of telehealth. And I think the future is gonna be a hybrid model, you know, utilizing things like Walt said with um, getting data in the office and then doing some things to um, educate and maybe even monitor at home. But Walt, what do you see a couple of years from now as to how this is gonna evolve and how optometry is gonna be part of this? Uh, well, one of the things that we're doing within our practice is for post-operative care. And so we've had this discussion before in regards to, hey, first it has to make, if we're gonna do telemedicine with post-op care, it has to, we have to make sure it's safe for the patient. Uh, the outcomes are gonna be uh, the optimal. And so essentially what we do within our practice, actually I did it today. I had about uh, 19 one day telehealth calls for our patients who had cataract surgery yesterday. And it's only for patients that had standard uh, cataract surgery. So it was not combined with the cornea procedure, was not combined with the glaucoma procedure, but cataract stayed alone. And so essentially just going over their, their drops, how to go last night, are you having any pain? Is your vision better? And patients are like, oh yeah, everything went great. And so if the patient had any issues, let's say I had a patient that said, oh, I was in so much pain last night. I'd wake up at 1.30, I took a Motrin because I was in pain. And I said, well, we'll see you in the office that day. And so if the patient has any symptoms, we're happy to bring them in the same day. But the majority of patients for standard cataract surgery, it's been working very well. The reason why we did it is because of social distancing. Once again, uh, our main cataract surgeon is 30, 35 cataract surgeries a day. We have six cataract surgeons, and some of them are doing it at other centers as well, ASCs. And so we're trying to minimize having an extra 40 to 50 patients within that practice that day to keep social distance. And so that's one of the reasons why we went there. But how we got to there, we had to make sure it was safe. So we did pilot projects. We, we adjusted the, 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 the medication protocols as well. We simplified it, gave them diamox as long as it wasn't contraindicated after, after the surgery put them on topical uh, anti-glaucoma medications as well for about a week. And so we've been doing this for several months now, since the beginning of May, and patient satisfaction. We actually did a satisfaction survey and they scored about 95%. Patients were either satisfied or extremely satisfied with the one-day telehealth. However, patients do have to come in the office for the one-week exam. And so we started that within our practice. We're part of the large private equity group. Uh, and so we're actually bringing out to all the other practices as well. But then our referring doctors are involved too, because a lot of times, you know, they're doing these same calls, checking on their patients and following the same protocols. And so it's worked very well for our patients. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Josh, what do you think about the future of telehealth and optometry, both in a primary care setting and a referral setting? What's your crystal ball look like? Yeah, great question. So uh, 
Walt will tell you I'm a pessimist, but I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, I'm very bullish. I'm very long on telemedicine, especially for optometry, right? So I think there's, there's going to be so much creativity in this space. We've seen that with all the innovation in the past few months. But um, the sort of call to action here is for anyone out there watching this tonight is really try this. If you're not doing it or doing some of it, do more of it because we don't want to be left behind, right? There's going to be other people kind of migrating into this. When you look at other companies, um, mainly primary care has been disrupted with, you know, early on with telemedicine, um, it was prescriptions that you were maybe too embarrassed to go to your physician to ask for um, antivirals and, and bladder infections, urinary tract infection, infections. But really where it's migrating is convenience, especially with young patients. So um, we don't want nurse practitioners or PAs migrating into, into eye care doing telemedicine for us. So I think optometry is in a perfect place to do the majority, if not all of this. Um, just because ophthalmologists will be so focused on surgery with all the baby boomers we have today. So it'll be fun to watch where, where it drifts, where it migrates. I think it's very wide open space on what specialties can, can uh, be participating in this. Tonight, I learned a lot, right? Myopia management, something I hadn't thought about, contact lens follow-ups, post-op care, dry, great opportunity there. You know, we can, you know, go back the other way and keep it simple with just questionnaires and, and diagnosing and helping patients there. And again, I think the big opportunity is following up with patients. You know, if we have a known history of iritis and patients are traveling, we know we need to see these patients on the back end for pressure checks in the office. But if you have a known history on patients, we can really make things more efficient. Some of these large practices where we practice, you may have patients, you know, unfortunately wait for several hours, not obviously during COVID because we're moving people in and out pretty quickly. But if it's just a quick follow-up, uh, especially the younger generation, 30, 40-year-old, 50-year-old patients, they may not want to come and drive and park and pay parking and, and sit there for a long period of time. So it'll be fun. I think at, at home, you know, diagnostic care, getting us biofeedback will be big. It's just not here yet. So it'll be fun to watch uh, as we all grow old together. So that's my sort of call to action is do more of it if you haven't done it. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us to, to, to jump in and do it. No, I think that's great, uh, Josh. And, you know, I want to thank everybody for joining us. We're going to transition into our Q&A section. Uh, thank you to Novartis for supporting this program. It's great to see everybody here on our Zoom call. Uh, and I look forward to uh, questions and interaction from our audience as our next step. Thank you again for joining us, Telehealth and Optometry. And we're um, back with our group for the Q&A and we're gonna get right into it now. I wanna know, um, starting maybe with Josh, cause you, you taught me a lot about how to integrate these things in my practice. You were early adopter during the shutdown and stay at home period. Um, how do you, you know, do you have your, most of your staff trained to be able to help with virtual patients? I know for a time your residents and your students were there, but how does that work now in terms of what staff do you utilize for your virtual um, telemedicine visits? Yeah, great question. You know, I think at this point we've seen a downtick in this, obviously it's decreased. So at this point, our call center which not everyone has a call center, so you could call it your front desk staff or your call center. They're fielding these calls, essentially triaging patients. Do they need something urgent to be seen in the office? Do they need something urgent telemedicine or non-urgent telemedicine? If it's a telemedicine thing, they sort of triage it. And then of course they'll schedule it on our template. And then essentially we have a, a lead technician that's doing those for us. Really just calling these patients, asking them if they wanna do a video conference, um, you know, like they would in person, really seeing uh, their signs and symptoms, talking to them about questions. And then, of course, we'll, we'll schedule it. The lead technician will come to us and tell us what we have going on, all sort of triage it further to see if it's urgent. So that's sort of what we're doing at this point. 
really two calls probably a day in the morning and two calls in the afternoon. Um, so it's, we've seen a down click there, but um, you know, again, I'm optimistic on the future of what this will be, but that's kind of what we're doing as far as staff at this point. Uh, Walt, I know a lot of what you're doing is in the post-op arena with telemedicine. And as we discussed earlier, telemedicine is, is engaging with a patient in a way that they're not face-to-face -face in the office. So you're doing a lot of telephone calls. Do you do those by yourself? Do you have those on a speakerphone and have somebody scribing with you? How does that look in a busy uh, cataract refractive re referral practice? You know, we actually have a template already set up. And so each, uh, each, uh, each post-operative day, we have one or two docs that are available and we have them in time slots probably every 10 to 15 minutes. And so we just do it ourselves. And so it's all within our EMR. Um, I mean, having a conversation with the patient only takes like a minute or two. You know, can you see, are you having any pain? Just asking them the questions and going over their drops and then making sure that we're seeing them uh, a week later. And so everything is already templated for us. And so uh, we don't have staff uh, involved as much there. Uh, to go along with what Josh just mentioned earlier, what we do with our phone room and our triage team is we, are, we gave them a sheet and what qualifies for telehealth and what doesn't qualify for telehealth like sudden onset, double, double vision or anything that does not count for, uh, for uh, telehealth or, or, or pain, you know, in, intense pain and headaches. Um, but, you know, it's something that helps them triage. And then Brianna, in a, in a primary care setting, smaller staff, does everybody in your office, um, are they comfortable with telemedicine or do you have a telemedicine champion that you work with in terms of uh, staff? Yeah, all the staff can triage people. So they're all very trained well because we're all answering the phone. And then what we've done is on days that we're not like I see patients now on two days a week. So it was hard to schedule them in between patients because you get behind, that patient sits on hold. I was actually that patient um, last week. I did a telemedicine visit with a doctor. I waited on Zoom for an hour and a half. So it doesn't work when these doctors get behind and nobody was telling me what was happening. So I was emailing with the girl, like, am I just supposed to sit here? Like we're an hour into this, we're an hour and 15 minutes into this. No one's come on to check on me to see where we're going. So I would be really conscious of that, that you really have to be on time for these visits because your patients are in the dark. So it's not like they're in your waiting room and can ask when you're gonna be seen or did somebody forget about me? So that's been really key, I think. Um, and then feeling it myself as a patient, I was like, oh my gosh, I've really gotta be on time for these things. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're dealing with your patients via telemedicine. Yeah, I, I try to be punctual. I mean, within a couple of minutes, but um, you know, I, out of you know hundreds that I've done over the last six months, I would say 95% of the time I am on time and I treat it like that patient on my laptop or on my iPad is just in an exam room. You know, they're mm -hmm. up next and, and I try to maintain that time frame. Uh, occasionally we have patients, you know, that get put on immediately and I try to get in for just a couple minutes and, you know, within five or 10 minutes we can connect. Um, but I'm definitely not making my patients wait 90 minutes. So I feel for you there. Uh, let's talk about marketing our practices, you know, during this time period. 
uh, as we transition into busier schedules. Has anything changed, Brianna, uh, Brianna, with your practice in terms of how you position that with uh, your existing patients as well as potential future patients? So I'm using it now for a lot of contact lens follow-ups. So I'm going to finalize that trial on the day that I see the patient, knowing that you know most of the time they're not going to need anything. And then if they need something, then we're going to put them on as a telemedicine visit. We also have it on our website where people can schedule telemedicine visits. So you know it's up in the corner that we're a telemedicine provider. So I think it's just showing patients that you're moving with the time is really key. And they, they know now that they can get in touch with you. Um, what I do like about telemedicine is now, obviously, we've gotten really comfortable billing it. So now with patients that, you know, we all have our phones full of, you know, text messages or phone calls from even our own family members and things like that. So really utilizing it where we're charging for our time, I think, has really become valuable. So that's where we're utilizing it in our office. Great. Walt, what say you? How are you marketing your practice and how is uh, telemedicine part of that marketing strategy in Virginia? Yeah, it's important for us to market that because, you know, telemedicine, as we've already talked about, it's not going away and it's going to be part of the future of healthcare. And COVID just, I mean, it's, as we talked about, it's, it's already been here, but this was our call to action to, to really get this, uh, get this going. And so it, it, this does show that you're forward looking within your practice. Uh, we do have it on our website as well. Uh, for a while, we had that is you know the first thing that came came up when you it was a pop up on our website. Said hey, if you're having you know are you interested in having telemedicine? And so it's something that that we do want to offer to our patients because although we'd like to see the majority of patients within our practice, there are those patients that still don't feel safe coming into the practice right now. And so we do want to make that available. What are you doing in Atlanta, Josh, in terms of positioning? Uh, telemedicine now compared to a few months ago? Yeah, you know, as far as marketing early on, just like Walt, we had the pop-up on our website. Um, we sent out some communication to our patients via email to really educate them what telemedicine was and what it wasn't and really educate them what we can do. And that was really stage one, early days, you know, right in March. Um, and then now, you know, it's it, we had some social media uh, advertising early on what it what it would be, what it could be, and then now it's, it's quieted down. So it is on our website, um, and again, most of it's education through our call center when they're calling in. We'll see what it what it drifts to long term, but I think patients at this point, and all all specialties really know that telemedicine's here um, for for you know an eye exam or your primary care physician, anything that. So I, I think we'll see. Um, you know, some expectations, I think, from younger patients to use this in the future, but we'll see. Final question. I want to know from our esteemed panel is what is one thing that has you excited about the future of telemedicine and optometry? I'm going to start with you, Walt. What is one big area that you say, boy, I think this is just going to be a great thing for optometry? Well, when it comes to, you know, that one thing, uh, for me, it's just it's just an opportunity to promote your practice and to offer services that not most uh, most of our competition and our colleagues aren't offering that. And so, just having a way to connect with our patients, uh, I think telemedicine, as I mentioned, is going to be the future of healthcare. And with the technology that's going to come out, that's coming out in the near future, uh, once artificial intelligence, you know, it's going to be a hybrid of how telemedicine is going to be provided you know, whether it's going to be with glaucoma, patients come in, get a few scans or, or retina as well, they'll get an image 
but the information that we can gather uh, is going to be very beneficial in how we're going to care for our patients. And so it's just something that's going to help differentiate, differentiate your practice. And so it's definitely a must. Brianna, what's got you excited? And thank you all for that. I, I agree. Differentiation, you are leading the way right now because optometry and, and eye care in general is a little bit behind. We dragged our feet a little bit on this. We're starting to catch up, but it definitely differentiates uh, you amongst uh, you know other practices in your area. Brianna, what, what has you excited uh, for your practice or maybe just optometry in general when you talk about the future of telemedicine? I think the consultation thing is really big. So, you know, I was even, even pulling myopia consultations from like Jacksonville where people were driving, you know, four or five hours. So we can really expand um, our field in that sense. I mean, here we are all virtually having a conversation like we would, you know, in person. So I think we can utilize that to our advantage to really go after patients that are looking for that niche thing or charge for our services where they have a question. Um, my husband is a neuro OMD, just did a consultation in Wyoming. So I think it's really expanded our borders a little bit um, to help more patients and in that sense. So I'm excited to see the early adopters and where we're all taking this. And I think we all really have to be the innovators to make this happen. And we have to be the ones in charge of it. So we don't want people to come out in and over innovate us, we want to be the ones that dictate this. So it's exciting to see people really taking this and making it something. Now, thanks for that. And, and I probably going to have to get your uh, husband's practice on my uh, speed dial. It would be nice to have that ability to talk to a neuro ophthalmologist from time to time via telemedicine. So I think that's exciting. And again, we talked about it earlier, there's ways to do consultations interprofessional things that are gonna be for the patient's benefit and their, their billable services. So now we have ways to do that. We're getting more used to that. Josh, what has you excited uh, about the future of telemedicine and optometry? Um, I'll give you three things, three things. One, number one, continued deregulation, right? I think we've seen liberal policies on what technology we can use. Is it secure, HIPAA compliant? Um, it's, it's been opened up, right? I think that's led to innovation. So that's exciting. Hopefully some deregulation continues. Um, so that's one area. The second area is probably at home, you know, not point of care diagnostics, but diagnostics at home that can really give us data, uh, whether it's wearable stuff or some of the existing technology that's available today. Um, I saw a patient today who's a, a severe history of, of wet macular de degeneration. She's still dry at this point, but she's using at-home technology with daily technology that goes back to her doctor, right, to alarm them. And that's sort of a, a hybrid. I think we'll incorporate not really telemedicine, but it, it will become that. And then third thing will be really kind of what Brianna mentioned is, you know, consults across state lines. So uh, an opportunity to, you know, advertise your services. So it's sort of a blended approach from marketing as well as specialty care. So if you know, Damon, as, as a key opinion leader in dry eye, will someone from, you know, West Coast reach out to you on, on, the, on a tough case, whether it's a colleague or a patient? I think those things will be exciting to see. So those are three big areas I think we'll see continue to grow. Yeah, so I think it's been great discussion. We talked about differentiating your practice, marketing uh, to what we know that the consumer wants, which is more choices, making it accessible to have your expertise available to patients without always having to come in the office. And not only talking about 
triaging and treating patients with red eyes and lumps and bumps, but really other things that we're seeing all day, every day, you know, contact lens uh, follow-ups, myopia management, uh, hybrid visits, looking at patients with glaucoma and AMD and other diseases where maybe they're doing some things at home to monitor their, uh, their condition. And you're just simply uh, taking that data and then having a conversation virtually with them. So there's so many possibilities. I definitely encourage everybody to take advantage of the changing times here, do some things. You don't have to do all these things at once. I think take it slow, but telemedicine and optometry is here to stay. There's a, the future is very, very bright. I wanna thank you all for uh, joining us tonight. Thank you to our faculty. Thank you Novartis for the support to allow this program to continue. And I hope to continue the conversation with everybody very soon. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into our program today. We'd also like to thank Drs. Dierker, Johnston, Rue, and Whitley for their participation in today's program. The program was supported with advertising by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The opinions and views expressed during this program were those of the individual participants and were not necessarily those of Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation or its affiliates. This content will be available for on-demand listening as an episode of The Mod Pod.